0: hello before the show starts i'm sat uh, i mean how does this work tom because we're we're gonna be introducing past us it's all this time travel thing isn't it now
1: yeah this we're from the future <laughs> and we'll be sort of well it was it's past us for us but it'll be current us for the listeners it will be present us won't it so
0: yeah that's when it gets even more confusing Oh, OK. Anyway. There's a bit at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're, we're going to say. That's what it all boils down to. You will hear us in this episode talk about The Dirt. We recorded it on the day that it came out, as you will hear us say. And now we're sat the day after and we've watched it. So we thought, well, we'll record a little bit about it rather than wait for you all to wait a month. And it's going to go right at the end of the show. So keep listening right to the very end. And future past, present, us, we'll be talking about The Dirt. Um I'm going I'm going to send past me the lottery numbers now mate. How about you? Yeah, good idea. Good yeah. idea. Okay. Yeah. Right. End of the show we'll be there. Hello and thank you for listening to episode 159 of 60 Minutes With. This is the Decade of Decadence show for March 2019. And as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host. He is the man who is going to dominate the 2020 award season as best supporting actor. More on that in a minute. It's Tom. Hello there. Hello. He- hello. Hello. Would you, uh, would you like to elaborate on that to begin? I think that would be a good way to start.
1: Well... Well, I, I, I don't want to brag.
0: What? Go on, do it, mate, do it.
1: It was just a uh, just uh, a yeah, on camera appearance on um for Pro Wrestling Eve that happened recently. Yeah, and you... I had to put on my acting face, <laughs> much like I did for Samurai Cop two Deadly
0: Vengeance. Oh. You sent me a still from it, mate, and it it's brilliant. <laughs> it well, is. I, I it like looks like part. it just looked like a still from a movie and I'm going like Go on, Tommy's like it could have been an outtake from like I think I said from one of the like the Rocky movies even.
1: Yeah, helping helping Rocky or in this case Lauren Raref out the ring. Yeah. Um after some dastardly baddies beat her up. <laughs> and as always with that sort of thing, I don't actually know that's gonna happen until it's happening and I'm like, oh, geographically speaking I'm the closest one to the ring oh. so I'm going to have to <laughs> we tend to hide in a corner <laughs> and not be on camera but um, unfortunately uh, yeah but you know you know yeah. method
0: well that, know. that's it mate old hand at this now aren't you you know just oh, taking there's, this there's me
1: there's like obviously uh, I've got my RMDB credit and then there's Greg Greg Burridge who, who's a, a res gal as well who's been in many films oh. It's a new Scott Adkins movie coming out soon. So, Bloody hell. Which has got the um, incredible title of Avengement.
0: <laughs> is that even a word?
1: It is now.
0: <laughs> Scott Adkins made it up, and none of us are going to argue with Scott Adkins. No chance. He could, he could make any word up, mate, and you would just agree with it.
1: Mm. Um, but yeah, that was my... My little on-screen the throwaway. imagine someone who's using seen Cop 2: Deadly Vengeance*. Actually, no, that doesn't work because you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move on.
0: Let's move on. Let's move on because this this stuff section, mate, it's it's packed to the gills with 80s stuff. It's throbbing. Oh, it, too hard, mate. It is throbbing too hard. If if that would be possible. Um, I want to I want to start off with uh, news about Trevor Horn, Trevor Horn of the Buggles, Trevor Horn, huge, uh, famous producer, did loads of stuff from the 80s. Not only has he got his album out, which yes. is called Trevor Horn Reimagines the 80s, where it's all songs from the 80s. There's like Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Ashes to Ashes, Girls on Film, all done by different people, all remixed or produced by him. He's going on tour as well, mate. This, oh, is he? yeah, yeah. This is going to be like full-on eighties fest of a tour. I'm just looking now. There's five dates. Uh, four of them are at the end of July. One at the beginning of August. He's doing Glasgow, London, Birmingham, Manchester, and Nottingham. Oh, mm. so
1: will he have guests?
0: I believe so. Yeah, I think there's guests joining him throughout the tour. I'm not sure if it's the same guests on every on every date of the tour, um, but there will be guests. Yeah. So, I presume people listening to this with any interest in the eighties and that are in the u k that would be a great gig to go to, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah,' mm-hmm. best of the eighties, almost, oh yeah, definitely, and uh, well, let's keep on to the subject of live gigs mate because I know people, regular listeners will be waiting in anticipation because something quite special happened fuck, I know it certainly did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So obviously, as mentioned last show, probably the show before that, I finally bit of a bullet and Yali and I went to go and see Michael Bolton live. Oh, this, no. wasn't just, is that, this wasn't just a uh, regular Michael Bolton gig. Oh, no, no, no. It was being recorded for... BBC Radio 2's Friday Night is Music Night, and it's actually being uh, broadcast this Friday night as we record. Oh, So it'll be on demand, I guess, Radio 2 on demand, you know, the, like the, the radio equivalent of the iPlayer. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can listen to that, and you may hear some screaming. Um, from you, particularly. Yeah, coming from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was with the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra, or the Symphony Orchestra, an orchestra.
0: Yeah. There were His people greatest with- hits... Oh God! Cool. Oh, cool. how did he start? I'm dying to know what what was the beginning of it. Come on!
1: Well, the beginning of it was a lot of a lot of rabid women <laughs> and their and their um, and their hard done by husbands <laughs> piling into the, the Palladium. I've never been to a Palladium before. Have you?
0: You know la- what? I think we might have done. I'm not sure. We went to London to see rufus wainwright and i think that might have been at the palladium but i could be wrong i'm sure tina will correct me when she listens to this
1: <laughs> well i've got i was hoping to give you uh, the first song he did but um the uh, setlist.fm the, the place to go for set lists mm. doesn't list it lists it displays the show but hasn't got a set list that's oh, terrible so i um i'm just going to quickly um London Palladium set list, just in case. This isn't exactly riveting.
0: <laughs> You'd think someone would have put it up. I take it was sold out. There must have been like no empty seats.
1: There was a row, I think ours um, was. was um, ours was the first row that was £45. Yeah. And uh, there was like a. I think it was 66 before that. So there was about half, but well, not quite half a row, was. Um, Empty, in fact, but that was about it, because obviously people, like, I assume people were just like, might as well pay 45 for pretty much the same...
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: ...the same um, view, or as Yali put it, it was just a splash zone. (laughs) Because, my word, he, um, yeah, there was some... I've not seen this level of fandom... Before these were women who were, and you know, like they were middle aged women, and you know, they grew up with Bolton. Um, yeah, this was these. This show was also celebrating his 50 years in um in music. Um, oh my god, Michael Bolton, 66. Um, no, I would have never have said that. Yeah, I'd have put him late 50s. That's so, what I would have thought, yeah, but yeah, and he, he was originally signed, he was telling us like this in bits during the show. It was originally signed when he was 16 and obviously that was as we've touched on on back on the 80s picture house uh his earlier albums i think he was in that band blackjack and then he did like a self-titled one and then obviously everybody's crazy is one we t- we spoke about yeah yeah and um unfortunately he didn't play everybody's crazy but he but he did a lot of covers he did a lot of covers as well he did he did his ness and dormer bloody hell um that was but his voice like 66 years old his voice is still really good
0: yeah still powerful
1: um, yeah and um yeah he had some guests he had some i don't know who she was exactly i think she was a bit of an opera singer she sort of like opened the second act with somewhere over a rainbow which was a bit odd yeah just on her own uh, but she duetted with um mikey b um and Somebody who won X Factor a few years ago, whose name's gone, a female singer. Um,
0: That doesn't surprise me for X Factor, mate. Completely forgettable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but he saw her on telly and was like, um, like, oh, what a wonderful singer and all that. And, uh, yeah, they duetted on How Am I Supposed to Live Without You, which, of course, he did. Um, He also did Said I Love You But I Lied. I can remember the Bolton songs. And then... um, (laughs) He did the three back to back that I wanted to see the most, and that was um, "How Can We Be Lovers," oh. "Steel Bars," oh. and "Time, Love, and Tenderness." Oh. They were the, the big and the big rock anthems, and yeah, it was yeah, it was it was something like. There was a woman, and we were in row T, so we were a bit back, hmm. and, and a few women had gone up to the stage. Someone gave him a rose. He was quite self-deprecating, like he was just like, "Oh, you know." you know, all the first rows of the evening, like I told you know, she was told to come up here and stuff like that. (laughs) Uh but there was a woman who was sat well, Yoli was sat closer to her, fortunately for me. And she was like, if a woman in the crowd screamed, I love you, Michael and they did, Hmm. she would scream, I love you more (laughs) And like her husband was just sat there. Um Get off uh, him, he's mine (laughs) And um yeah, she at one point she was just sat, sort of sat, stood with her arm out, just like wobbling, like a quivering, like a big horny jelly, <laughs> and um, it was, it was, <laughs> it was something to behold. And and then like she tried to go down the front, and Anasha sent her back. Um, and then like when he sings "When a Man Loves a Woman," <laughs> that seems to be an unwritten rule that everyone could just pile down the front and just hold out their hands to be touched by him. And I was just like, I was enjoying the gig, like, you know, especially when it got to the the big anthemic anthemic bangers. But also just, I found it really interesting just watching, like, this (laughs) adulation. I've never seen anything like, like, I've never, you know, I've been to many a gig, but I've never been to Metallica and seen, like, that, like, holding their hands out to touch James (laughs) Netfield or not even, like... (laughs) I've never seen it again like You don't, well, I was uh, like holding out the hand, you know, like, you know, people hold out the hands so like Paul Stanley to high five or something. Yeah. But the way, like, hold just to
0: be touched. Touched by greatness.
1: Yeah. And yes. like they're giving him presents. There's a teddy bear. There's a wrapped present. There's a piece of paper folded. I don't want to know. I don't know if there's a whole hotel key <laughs> inside. I like to think there was. But like, man, he's, he's just used to it. And wow. people just screaming, and and it was yeah the adulation. I've never seen anything like it. So it was really like fascinating to watch that. I bet because we joked about it, like you know, oh you know it's just gonna, it's you know, like it's it's just gonna be middle aged women screaming. But it was more than we ever joked about in the end. So it, it was that sort of it like it's, it's, it's sort of like when I was watching the bros documentary um with my housemates um back in like january and one of my one of them was quite younger and he didn't like you know who bros was but he was watching the level of fandom from the 80s yeah yeah and he couldn't believe how famous they were and like f- f- uh, celebrity is like it's like no one is as famous as people were like bros and madonna or Kylie and Jason when we 80s there's no one is that famous it's not celebrity isn't like that anymore
0: yeah because everybody's used to seeing them like on social media and all there's yeah, more connection just, with people now isn't it than yeah there was it just back waters then. it all down a bit so like yeah.
1: you know you've got right, you have the 15 odd sellouts prosted at Wembley Stadium and like the fans just camped outside the house people don't do that like, anymore and it's just not I don't know and there's like less there was less acts you know like as well
0: yeah yeah
1: so um but yeah so maybe that's just like obviously Bolton was huge and you know that you know the 80s you know like mid to late 80s was when he started off and that rolled into the 90s as well and he just kept that rabid devoted fan base all the way through so yeah it was really interesting to watch as well as being an entertaining night. the orchestra was
0: good and yeah well, that's good. mate. I'm glad it wasn't. You know, when you look forward to something that much, and then it's a bit of a bit of a letdown. Could have. Could, would be nice to have some
1: merch, though. But I can understand why, because it was just literally a one-off date.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: they were selling the CD with the orchestra, but like, what am I going to do for CD? Here, just like, I'll just put it somewhere and never. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would have been nice to have a a, a nice a tour shirt, but yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, but I was wearing I was wearing mine, my uh, Michael Bolton shirt, so which <laughs> <It's>, of course <laughs> I I own I own. To. But oh. yeah, no, yeah. It was a it was a good uh, a good show. Good, good. Different, very different. <laughs> oh yeah, like you said, an
0: ex- uh, an experience, definitely. Yes. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll bring it down now because we've had some eighties related deaths since yeah, we Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, we've had. Now, do you say? Because you know who I'm going to say. Do you mm. say Yan or Jan? Um. I think it's Jan, isn't it? Yeah, I've usually said Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, now
1: this was like... (sighs) There'd been a lot of, like, that week um, celebrity deaths, hadn't there?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, uh, the um, guy at Prodigy and and, um, uh, Luke Perry was on the same day. Mm -hmm. But in in that way, it's like, this is probably one of the less surprising celebrity deaths.
0: Yeah, to be honest, yeah.
1: Because we've all, we probably spoke back on the old podcast about just the general, you know, state of him.
0: Yeah.
1: Having (laughs) a bit of leg amputated and just his general physical condition.
0: Yeah, it's not been good for a long time. Has he had been in accidents and, like you said, his general health was just, like, not
1: good. I remember reading something with him where he said he could barely remember any of his 80s heyday. Wow! So, yeah, he just couldn't remember it. You know, like obviously drugs. Yeah, but he's just the memories have gone. So, um, but
0: because didn't he have one of like the one of the biggest TV contracts during the eighties with
1: Yeah, Airwolf was yeah was huge, and only, I I was the only any, yeah only ever ran three seasons. Yeah, it's not very long, is it really? Uh, I wasn't I wasn't too hot on the show. I loved the pilot, I absolutely loved the pilot of Airwolf, yeah. but uh, it was, I found it a bit samey in the end, like. It, helicopter helicopter but you yeah. know like
0: he was he was in some great films oh yeah i mean i remember him as a kid going like way back watching him in uh the world's greatest athlete i saw that in the cinema like whoa my god it must be like early 70s definitely so it was like the first time i saw him but he was like he was yeah he was in some really good thing i mean i guess most people do think of airwolf straight away don't they when they hear his yeah, name yeah but you know he was he was in some really good stuff, and he was he was one. He was a bit of a, a ladies' man as well, wasn't he? he had a lot of female yeah. attention during his uh, during his heyday,
1: he? Oh, definitely, definitely. But yeah, he was like he um, was in Big Wednesday. <coughs> oh, I don't know what that was. It was in a, <laughs> it was in a Big Wednesday. Obviously, he was in Hooper. Burt Reynolds.
0: Yeah, great film.
1: Yeah, and that was a Charles Bronson, uh, mechanic. Yeah, original mechanic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's in some uh, really good films as well. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just sad what happened.
0: Yeah, and it's with us talking about 80s-related people and that, it's getting that sort of time, isn't it? We're now, like we said before, we're, like, getting to 30 years since the 80s ended, and if you're talking about people that were in, you know, 30s or 40s then, they're getting into the 60s and 70s, and so, oh, my God, here we go, here we go. Because we had Bernie, Bernie Torme died as well. Um, Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, and I was—he was going to come on a show. He was all lined up to come on an interview show. Uh Yeah, I was talking to him, well, swapping messages with him at the back end of last year because he got the new album all, all done, and um, then of course he got ill and rushed to hospital, and then it it got worse, and he unfortunately passed away. And uh, I always felt—I remember this happening. You know when Randy Rhodes died in that big accident, uh, you know with the plane crash, and then Bernie Tormey was called in just to like to cover because they got gigs and everything arranged i mean that must have been so fucking difficult to step in to cover randy rhodes under the circumstances that happened you know and he he did so well and he got a good reception from the crowds as well which you know he should have done because he was a fucking great guitarist and went on to have a you know a really good career as well so uh yeah another another guitar great as uh has now sadly departed
1: yeah, and if if that all wasn't enough, um, a horror legend as well from the 80s. So from directing and makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we talking about pronouncing of names. John Cole, Buchler or Buchler? Yeah, Buchler.
0: Yeah, Buchler. I normally say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Obviously, he directed Friday the Thirteenth: The New Blood. God, there's too many. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've just gone on his um his Wikipedia. I was, I was right. Good guess. Um, troll. The first one.
0: Troll. My God, troll. I've not seen that in a long time. the original Harry Potter movie.
1: Hmm. free. Ghoulies go to college. That's a favourite of mine.
0: Yeah. because
1: like, it's they just start talking and one of them's Jewish. Just, why not why not but yeah. yeah like that was just directing but obviously he did like um makeup effects for like elm street 4 um halloween 4 hatchet um dolls uh from beyond ghoulies Terrorvision. so yeah he's done so much
0: yeah yeah some good stuff some good old practical effects work that we love isn't it you know
1: yeah that yeah that was a
0: that was a shame mm. But, uh, yeah, Yeah, it's it's not been been good. It's not, no. I mean, also as well, somebody who thankfully didn't die but was rushed into hospital, Jodie Turner, who I did an interview show with from Rock Goddess. Um, Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was due to go and watch the band at a gig in Manchester uh, last week as we record. And then they had to cancel, I think it was three gigs they cancelled in total because she got rushed into hospital with, oh, my God, uh, cellulitis in her arm. And she was hooked up to some, like, heavy-duty antibiotics and stuff.
1: God.
0: Yeah. Thankfully, though, they've already announced a new tour this autumn. And oh, good. they're playing the Tiv up here in North Wales. So hey, it's even God. better still, yeah, I can go to the Tiv now and watch them. So that's good. Uh, people I did get to meet, though, because we've covered a few events recently since we last Ooh, recorded. yes, US, you oh, jack bastard. Yeah. Oh, my word, my word. I've met Bert Young oh. and Eric Roberts. That's oh, well, the Liverpool Comic Con. Eric Roberts, right, here's
1: your photos of you hugging and, and, <laughs> ch- and you in a chin lock and all sorts. <laughs> when me, when we met him, when Andrew and I met him Mill and Keynes a few years ago, he wouldn't even shake
0: hands. Get away. It was just like he was only doing fist bumps. Oh, yeah, he was shaking hands. He was like, he was so friendly, mate. Oh, he was absolutely friendly when
1: um, we met him. But like, yeah, no, shaking hands and there he is. He's all over you like a rash. He's all over right the ladies at Mill Kids. Oh my god, hugging and squeezing every 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 female of a pulse. But yeah, maybe he maybe he saw you and yeah. Maybe, maybe he left his glasses at home that day or something.
0: I was wearing a particularly good brand of um, cologne that day, mate. And that was a secret. Must have, yeah. must have been. Yeah. No, he was really cool. He was great on the Q and A. He uh, didn't want to leave the stage. He was he was quite humble actually because. And you could tell he was very appreciative of the amount of people that came to the stage to watch and listen to him during the Q and A, and he kept getting up and thanking everybody, and he didn't want the Q and A to end because when the time was up, he went, "No, I'm taking over now." did you know, another yeah. question and pointed at somebody, and that he was yeah, he was really nice. And then met him in person, and you know he'd say. Had some selfies taken with him they were on our instagram account plug plug yeah. and um yeah he was chatty and he you know i can't fault him you know because we have in the past met people that have been a bit of an arse and she's yeah. always yeah. disappointing so it's nice when you meet people like that and Bert young he was just like he oh. Was, oh he was a gent mate and the the big thing was because tina had done a, a portrait of him she'd drawn a portrait of him pictures again on the instagram account follow tina's art account as well getting the plugs in here mate straight away and he was again he was genuinely just loved the work that she'd done and he just he was looking at it for ages and he got this big smile on his face and he was saying how wonderful it was and that and because he's a, he's an artist as well isn't he? he's an artist as well yeah so you know that meant even more and he tina would have written a little note to him on the back and he read that and he you know he said how much he loved that and he was just i mean he's getting on now. i think it's like it's 80 this year i think if i remember yeah, rightly yeah. you know and you can tell he's He's an old man now. He's not the Pauly, obviously, you know, from Rocky and that. um But there's still there's still a lot of life left in him, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's a really great guy. And again, that was good because I would have hated it if it had gone there and he was, you know, a bit of a dick. But thankfully, mm-hmm. he wasn't. He was really nice. So I got my photograph taken with him, and like I did with Bridget Nielsen and Carl Weathers, I got him to sign the photograph. So those two photographs are now next to each other. Um, well, I can see them now in the recording room here. I think between us, we've got the set, haven't we? I think we must have, surely. Because I've done, I've, I've done Dolph. Yeah, because Dolph's at a... Because I met a guy, I met Vincent. Well, actually, we went to see... A few nights before we went to the Manchester Film Festival and to see The Pretender, the documentary yes. about Mike Kunder, who's been on the show a few times, which was brilliant, great documentary. And... Uh, We were sat, me and Tina were sat before it started and my phone sort of buzzed and it was, um, and I normally have like all notifications off. I must've just pressed something by accident somewhere along the line that day. And it was somebody had followed us on Instagram and it was a guy called Vincent from the Netherlands. And I had a look and because me and Tina had got into the uh, cinema early into the screening room, there was only like about half a dozen people in there. This is like 20 minutes before it's due to start. And I'm looking around and it turns around and about like ten rows behind us, it was this guy, Vincent. So I went up and had a chat with him and we talked after the movie. Great guy. And it's he's a huge Rocky fan. Huge, huge Rocky fan. He's done the tour with Mike as well a couple of times. Oh cool. And he was he'd come across to meet Bert Young. he's met Dolph, he's met you know, he came to the uh, for the love of sci fi event and met yeah. Brigitte and Carl and all of this kind of stuff. Big Rocky collection. And um yeah, he'd come across for the Bert Young. It just so happened after he'd booked the tickets and everything in his flight from the Netherlands that it was announced that the pretender was going to be in Manchester. So this fell perfectly for him. So I met him. Um, we swapped numbers and we keep in touch on WhatsApp now. Oh, cool. And yeah, and I met him at Liverpool and spent the day there with him. Oh, and he oh he got the the Paulie hat from the Rocky films and got him to sign it. And one of the things that I really loved, he got a baseball bat. And got him to <laughs> sign it because <laughs> you know when <laughs> Paulie like was really mad with the baseball bat, he got him to sign that. So that that was you know it turned out to be a really good day all in all. You know it's a good event, yeah. and again uh, people just go to the website. This is now the second event that we've covered from Monopoly events. They've got this uh, big wrestling event coming up in April um, where yeah, they've the, got some good names. Oh my big god, yeah, the even wrestlers that I've heard of, mate, which is something. <laughs> You know? I
1: think they've got like uh, I know you may not have heard of Sid Vicious well the wrestler Sid Vicious mm-hmm. or Sid or Sid Justice or Psycho Sid but like he's notorious for no showing conventions after saying he's going to be there and I saw really? the announcement I was like ah, okay but um, he was the one where like when we were in New Orleans we went to WrestleCon last year and he was actually there and I was just like oh, I have to get both of them it's like Bigfoot. Because he is, he pulls out of so many. He pulled out of one once, and another wrestler dressed up as him and pretended to be him for a laugh.
0: Oh, that's great! He hadn't shown up.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'll be, I'll be very interested to see if Sid actually makes the, the plane journey. Like one thing to go, you know, in the same country, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the eight-hour flight. Mm. But no, that's a really good lineup they've got.
0: It is, yeah. Like I say, people should keep an eye open for, you know, follow Monopoly events on Twitter or. They're on Facebook as well because they've got a minimum. They do like the sci-fi event. They've got this wrestling one. They do a horror one. They've got one in a few months in Manchester, which is all about the 80s and 90s. And I know like Steve Guttenberg's one of the guests. They they do so many events uh, and they're well-organised as well, which is good.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, yeah. And it's refreshing for a
1: new-ish, you know, kid on the block for the conventions
0: to actually be organised. definitely. Um, and that wasn't the end of meeting people because the weekend just gone. We covered the Starburst International Film Festival in Manchester. Uh, and we got there, mate. Me and Tina got there just in time. And this was Tina's first viewing of it. Just keep that in mind. Of Starburst. Uh, Starburst, for fuck's sake. That's the name of the convention. Of Star Crash. Star oh, Crash. That's at the, nice. Oh, the first viewing. And this is so cool. You sat there watching Star Crash. And the director, Luigi Cosi, is like two rows in front of you. <laughs> and he was he was beaming all the way through it, mate. He loved watching it again with people. <laughs> it I'll was bet. so cool. And he's nice because, luckily enough, me and Tina met him a couple of years ago. I think it's like two or three years ago now in Rome at the Profundo Rosso shop that they've got in Rome that him and Argento have. And he was really nice then. And we get to, you know got to meet him again there. And he was he was just as nice then. He's a really nice guy. He loves what he does. He really loves what he does. And apparently he's part way through making a film all about Rome two hundred years ago. Alright. Yeah, yeah, so that sounds it sounded really interesting, but to watch Star Crash there, mate, was just yeah. so cool. Because I mean we've both got the poster signed by him as well, haven't we? So yeah, I think you <laughs> might still need to frame that. Oh yeah, that's definitely a collector's item, that one. And then of course Oh the big one mate finally and he was on the interview show that we released last month yes Uncle Lloyd Lloyd yeah. Kaufman was there and it's great because we walked in and it was in a place called The Landing that's in Media City and it was on I think it's like the seventh floor and there's a bar there and it's a bigger open area and there were, I think it was like three or four screening rooms constantly showing great for indie films go and you know, everybody go and read the review on the website yeah another plug uh, but there was always films to watch and it's great, you know, indie films that if you're not going to go to a place like this, you're probably not going to be able to see them. They're definitely not going to be shown, you know, at the, the big cinemas across the country. Right. So that was good. But we walk in and they're at a table in the corner. There's Lloyd and his wife. So, oh my God, and he's like, he was so funny, so friendly. He was signing whatever you wanted to. He was taking pictures not charging a penny for any of this. It was like, what do you want? What do you want? They got a big uh, stall set up selling um, Troma merch. They've got t shirts, Blu rays, DVDs, stickers, badges, you name it. They've got everything there. And yeah, it was just like, it was a pleasure to finally get to meet him. And uh, I bought the three disc Guys DVD, <laughs> which I think we've uh, waxed a lyrical about before. Yes. Got that, got him to sign it. I took my uh, Citizen Toxie DVD that I'd bought years ago. He signed that. Uh, I got you the... Um, oh, my God. What did I get you? It's just slipped from my mind now. Class of High DVD. That was it. I got you that. Got him to sign that. Um, I did get him to sign it, Tom. I did think of Thomas, but I thought, no, that's we're saving that for the ladies, mate, the Thomas <laughs> signatures. And uh, Yeah, he was just him and his wife were just an absolute pleasure to to chat to you and they hadn't you know they couldn't give anybody enough time they were just constantly talking to people signing stuff taking pictures it was really really good mate really really good awesome mm-hmm. um god this stuff is going on quick we have we should let the cat out of the bag as well the day of recording the dirt has been released on netflix and we yeah, did if
1: anyone's wondering if we're going to talk about it this episode mm. it's like as you say day of recording
0: yeah, so we did say that we're going to do this podcast in about ten minutes because as soon as we finished, we're both buggering off to watch it, aren't we?
1: <laughs> we certainly are. Yeah, I god. Well, we can talk about God how long it's been.
0: It's been but a long it time. It Came out
1: two thousand and one, and I think they've been talking about doing a film ever since. And I'd like I'm sure if you listened back to old episodes of Eighties Picture House.
0: Yeah, we did, we talked about it numerous occasions, didn't we, over the years?
1: I remember when Christopher Walken was going to be Ozzy Osbourne and oh all my that? God.
0: But, um, yeah, it's, um, I'm glad
1: on paper, obviously, having not seen it yet, that it's mm-hmm. a sort of cast of more unknowns. Um, and But some of them will bring in a younger crowd because they're in it. I think there's a lad off Saturday Night Live who's quite popular. He'll, yeah. He's in a smaller role. He'll, he'll bring in people to watch it. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of a move to have unknowns. But the director, Jeff Tremaine, has been there the whole time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Impressive. And even more impressive. Is, uh, obviously, it's not a... So I don't call quality, in anyway, but it is an eighteen. Thank fuck for that. I <laughs> honestly thought it was going to be a fifteen.
0: Oh no, it's so good that it's an eighteen, mate. It had to be. Anybody with any sense, you couldn't do it as a fifteen.
1: Some of you? the stuff in the book.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be an interesting watch. That's for sure. It like, is. Is now like I
1: can... touch on some of the.
0: Yeah, I cannot wait, mate. I really cannot wait, and I'm sure we'll discuss it at uh, oh, we will a Are great we... length next episode. <laughs> I have got before we move on to the first filmmate, I've got one more piece of eighties-related stuff, but I uh, will. Have you got anything first? Have you got anything? I next? don't think so. No, no. Okay, it was just, it was just Bolton and um, John Carl Buechler Well, to finish this one thing, because I'm sure everybody worldwide is aware that there's a little thing going on over here in the UK, uh, which most people call Brexit, but for the full and proper way to pronounce it, it's called clusterfuck. That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a silent X. <laughs> it, the one thing, because it's, oh, my God, it's like you cannot put on any news channel without, I bet you couldn't go more than two minutes without hearing the word Brexit. You really couldn't. It's that bad over here, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, 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 it's terrible. The one thing that has made it bearable, mate, in the on the morning news. So, of course, all the newscasters, they're basing themselves outside the, hu- the Houses of Parliament and they're getting the live newscasts in the morning and they're interviewing different politicians and whoever that's got anything to say about it. But there's been one guy over the last few weeks every morning, mate, this one solitary guy. And you don't see him, you just hear him in the background. Loud and clear. And he's got to be like a Twisted Sister fan. Here's the 80s connection. Because the Twisted Sister song, we're not going to take it. Okay, surely everybody knows that that song. Yes. He sings it. He waits until the interview starts. And then all you hear in this loud deep voice is, we're not going to Brexit. Oh my. And he goes through the song. Just going, we're not going to Brexit anymore. <laughs> and he's just doing it so loud and it's just like you cannot hear anything else but him and so he's been making those uh those morning interviews quite bearable mate just because yeah, yeah good for him whoever he is i doubt he listens or maybe he does maybe yeah, yeah maybe somebody listening knows who that is if you do thank him very much because <laughs> uh yeah it's made my mornings listening to that Oh, that,
1: yeah. that is good. Yeah. I, I should I did want to mention one more thing. Not yeah, the eighties yeah. before, before we go. That you know, I saw. I saw Captain Marvel.
0: Um, oh, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention that I'd, I'd seen Captain Marvel, and it's really, really good. Um, I've not set in the eighties, but it's set in the nineties. The de aging of Sam Jackson is. Have you seen like?
0: Now, you know what, mate? Because de aging seems to be a thing now because it's been used in quite a lot of films hasn't it yeah From... with
1: varying degrees of success
0: exactly because oh what was it we watched um aquaman uh oh my god there is some awful de-aging in that it is terrible and it, it does seem to be oh just because we can do this we'll do it when in fact it would have been better just to to cast somebody younger who's got a vague resemblance <laughs> than do some really shitty CG de-aging job on them. Was this was this decent then? Did he look this, like a young... Um...
1: This is stunning. Yeah, oh, okay, I reckon you see the film, but this is stunning how they did He looked like he just set, walked off a set of Pulp Fiction. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, it was really... I just want to say it's really good. Brie Larson is excellent. She just seems really cool and likeable. And and uh, and that boycott of all those people who aren't going to see it, and uh, and I've just got I've just got a box office mojo here, and it's made eight hundred and twenty
0: million dollars worldwide. Holy
1: shit! Good boycott, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that told them. That's yeah. yeah. That's yeah. They're never going to make another one now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Mark Vega yeah, is dead. Yeah. She's ruined it. Women. Ooh. <laughs> fucking hell virgins
0: <laughs> and with that I think that's a good we'll, take, we'll just take a minute and we'll come back with uh, what was my first watch pick
1: no god no god please no 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 No.
0: my pick for the first time watch for both of us is from 1988 and is top line currently a 4.8 on imdb not not too bad we've had a lot worse
1: yeah but i don't think that's warranted
0: (laughs) i did pick it i did pick it because the star of it is franco nero yes um, yeah
1: no one can fault you for that
0: yeah and i did say franco nero Oh, come on. Mary Starvin's in it. Um, George Kennedy's in it. George Kennedy, yes. George Kennedy. I thought, yeah, come on. We've got to watch this. Never heard of it before. And then the synopsis grabbed me. And I thought, oh, this sounds quite interesting. The cover of it is very sort of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. kind of, sort of feel to it. Um, and the, uh, the synopsis is author... Ted Angelo, which is Franco Nero, mm-hmm. discovers a UFO in the Colombian jungle. Mm, yes, okay, this sounds good already. When he tries to spread the word, he earns more than the usual disbelief. Suddenly, he's hunted by almost every organisation, like the CIA, the KGB, the mob, Nazis, and even extraterrestrials. Now, this sounds...
1: Yeah, I would, like, I... Absolutely not faulting you for
0: picking this. Yeah. Because I would. You would. How could anybody not want to watch that with that cast, that synopsis? A very intriguing cover. Uh, So I can't really sort of expand on the synopsis because fuck me, mate, this film just lost me. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I was like in the right frame of mind. Maybe it's because I wasn't pissed or drugged up. Maybe that's the way to watch it. But did this make any sort of sense to you? It just seemed to be going from one thing to another for me in in a random order. So, well, no. <laughs> no, not
1: really. Um, and as an overview um, of the whole thing, like that's sort of how it lost me for most of it. Like, I was just like, I was... I was just not finding like I don't really know what's going on. I wasn't really finding it that interesting, it, and it that's isn't, sort of how no. it lost me. For the most part, I will we'll talk more about Barrette, some of it, but like for the most part, that's where it lost me.
0: Yeah, it did. It lost me many a time, mate. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Do I care about what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. I like, I
1: don't, like this, like everything about this should be winning. Yeah. And, like,
0: 1988 as well?
1: Like, when was it actually filmed, though? <laughs> it doesn't look like 88, does it? No.
0: No. Oh, no. And when you've got – and I did WhatsApp you this, mate – when you've got Franco Nero looking like Charlie Chaplin's stunt double, <laughs> it's like – what? and I couldn't get that out of my head. Whenever he appeared on, on screen, it was like, it's Charlie Chaplin, isn't it? I was just <laughs> waiting for him to, like, put a hat on and, like, swing a cane or something. Uh, Typical 80s film, though, we do only have to go eight minutes before boobs appear. Bare breasts, we've got eight minutes. right. (laughs) Well, we always have to keep a track on boob watch, mate. I mean, films from the 80s. I mean, it's normally in single figures, isn't it, for minutes? And there are (laughs) as well. This one bit. and, And this is it. This is when boobs first appear, and this is why I made note of it, mate. It is such a gratuitous scene because you've got Franco Nero on a massage bed. And then this woman like just takes her like white gown thing off and then I think says two lines of dialogue to him and then it moves off and you're going did did he have to be on a massage bed for those two lines? Yes. Did she have to get her tits out to say them? <laughs> because was... and it never went back to it. I thought, was oh, it gonna cut away in it which it did and it went to something else? Are they gonna come back to him and he's having a massage? No, it was it was like a completely different scene, which goes back to the beginning. This is so, so choppy. I mean, the editing's just like, and the narrative is all over the place.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, maybe it was in his, like, his rider. <laughs> yeah. That scene, I don't know, it was a deal breaker in his contract yeah. or something. But, um...
0: I think it must have been that, you know, he has to be massaged by a topless woman <laughs> at some point. So many things that were distracting, and I've already mentioned, like, Franco Nero looking like Charlie Chaplin. Mm. <laughs> so, like a lot of films um, from then, especially, and foreign films, they're dubbed.
1: Yeah, from Italian
0: to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. English. Now, normally, they'll you know, if it's an English-speaking actor, they'll get that English-speaking actor to come back and do the ADR, to you know, and just do their dialogue again. Or failing that, they'll get somebody that more or less suits who it is. Oh, and again, this is where we go to a little look behind the scenes of what happens when I was watching the film. I sent you a video on WhatsApp, Tom, didn't I? Holy yeah, I knew it was having
1: seen the film first. I knew it was
0: shitballs. George Kennedy's <laughs> whoever dumped him. it. And again, talk about something that takes you completely out of the film. Why did they choose whoever they did to dub George Kennedy? Because his voice does not suit him whatsoever.
1: No, no. Even maybe if we didn't know George Kennedy, but uh, probably yeah. not. Yet. Actually, even if we did didn't know who he was,
0: we'd still think it was a bit of a weird voice. It is a weird voice, mate. For you know, because he's a pretty big guy and that, and it's a husky, a husky man like uh, yeah, George Kennedy was. <laughs> Um, I would be normally, like, going through the story or as bringing bits up, but like I said at the beginning, I have no fucking idea what the story was about. It was just, he was here, there, and, every- oh, all of a sudden, he's, like, in a UFO. How the- he was on, like, a massage bed not long ago, <laughs> and then he was, like, in a pool, or he was, like, lying on the floor in a nappy, or you, you just don't know what's going to happen from one scene to the fucking next in this. Uh, there was, violence-wise, I mean, Maybe some passed me by. I didn't see much. There was one guy that did get shot in the head at close range. And that was hilarious. Because I'm sure they did the effect. I mean, bless them. They tried. But I'm sure they did the effect by somebody getting some tomato ketchup on their finger, standing just off frame, and then flicking it at the guy's head when he got shot. Because that's exactly what it looked like. (laughs) It was like... Yeah, didn't spend too much on special effects, did they? Although, having said that, if we jump like the story does all the fucking time to the last five minutes of the movie, yeah, this is what got me back into it. The last five or ten, exactly, mate. Yeah, because I was this. Yeah, you suddenly see like the prop. Well, you see Mary starving, don't you? And of course, she gets her boobs out as well um, because she says she says a that was no reason for that again. Totally gratuitous. And she says to Franco Nero, surprise, surprise, Franco Nero's always on set when boobs come out. She says to him, here's one last token of my appreciation. And she gets her tits out. (laughs) Just before she sheds her skin and turns into an alien. Now, the prosthetic effects for the alien, I I thought they were pretty good, mate. You know, for a low-budget film, I thought... Yeah, this is. Yeah, yeah and, I'm into this. I'm um, a
1: robot as well. And the robot, yeah. Or the Terminator, because this film was called in the UK on video Alien Terminator.
0: Ah. Which is
1: well, it's probably not quite honest. Not really. Well, <laughs> there was an alien and a Terminator until yeah. the end. Yeah. But yeah, but the whole the whole Alien Terminator and Terminator, stuff, I thought it was like, man, couldn't we just had
0: ninety minutes of this? Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what I wanted. When that appeared, I thought, "Why didn't this appear like earlier in the film, even at the halfway point, and and play around yeah. with this some more rather than leave it right till the very it, end?"
1: It's such like it would have been such a more enjoyable, but well not better film. But you know, it would have been such a more enjoyable experience if it wasn't just so like what's going on and random and yeah. all of that. And then then they just like, "Oh yeah, here's this, here's the Terminator, basically, yeah, and an alien."
0: And um, man, it was just, yeah, it was too too little, too late. It was, yeah, far too little and far too late and too much of nothing happening. And then in the middle of nothing happening, weird shit, like when the little there's a little kid that finds a bag that's full of guns. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy comes up to him and just karate chops the kid in the throat and kills him <laughs> and takes the bag. And I thought, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? You could have just said... These are guns alone, <laughs> mate. Said. <laughs> you know what? You're a grown man. He's a kid. There's no, there's no need for that. <laughs> and um, yeah, bizarre situation. You've got you've got um, a Franco Nero who has just run barefoot through a load of cactus. And well, I did send, again, another WhatsApp yeah. message. I've just seen Charlie Chaplin running through a load of cactus. That was one of the George Kennedy. Yeah, Yeah. because he's in a... Because it ends up... Franco Nero runs through the cactus field. He ends up what you think is... Well, at first I thought he was in the desert because there's all this sand everywhere. Yeah. And that George Kennedy's behind him in a car. and You've got Franco Nero with his feet covered in blood. Well, sorry, tomato ketchup, as we've established already. And he's in pain and he's on the sand. And right next to him, right by his side is... Is it the sea? Is it a lake? It's a large expanse of water... And George Kennedy's in the car behind him. So Franco Nero's in his hands and knees, and George Kennedy is gently pushing the, the bumper of the car up against Nero's buttocks. And, like, Nero's going, oh, he can't get away. And I was thinking, just fucking roll over and go in the water and swim away. <laughs> That's all you have to do, mate. You know, you're not stuck in the middle of a desert or anything. Um we had a usual 80s exploding car. This happened because it was chasing Franco Nero, who's on the back of a, uh, a truck filled with chickens. So, of course, he just... You're making this sound much better than it actually he is. He does, actually. Just listen to this. And then don't bother watching it. Listen to this. Let's watch the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then...
1: And then and uh, the mark legitimately... Well, no, that would just annoy you, because you'd also... Yeah. Why wasn't another you hour like
0: this? You would do but it did it did make me laugh when nero threw a uh, a basket full of chicken eggs at the car that was chasing them which you know covered the screen and the car takes a wrong turn and plows down a mountain and explodes <laughs> but they they were few and far between moments like that there were so many bits where it was just like i just wanted you know for, didn't i send you like a, a, a animated gif or gif of um Please let it end, or something like that, wasn't it? Because there was so much of nothing, and nothing, and boring, and why is he there? What's he doing that for? And you said for for the last ten minutes to go. Oh, it could have been so good, and I think that made it all the more frustrating to have that at the very end. Absolutely, when you could have had more of it, but it's it's nothing like the synopsis, and it's available. We watched it on. amazon prime over here in the uk and the synopsis for it on amazon prime is slightly different to imdb but it's similar enough that it makes you go this sounds really good (laughs) yes it's it's not mate is it at all at all i um yeah i I can't think of anything else to say about it mate apart from
1: no no but um on the subject of prime you know i might as well make a positive or negative um Hmm. i may might be an idea for you to tweet this on the 60 minutes with account um I use uh, the letterbox thing for like tracking movies and general geekery of what I watch and who I watch on most films of, all that sort of stuff. But someone's compiled a list. I think we've with we've, we've Kyle Daniels, we've, we've had some sort of contact with him for Eight Picture House before, I think. Yeah. Um, he's compiled this list of um, cop movies um, on Amazon Prime UK, and it's incredible. And he updates it every day where where necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, I've sent you the link, so maybe you could... It'd be an idea, you know. Yeah, I will too, this is, yeah. yeah. This is where uh, Top Line came from, and I imagine it's on that list. There's 1,010 movies on there at the moment. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so people ask... Some other people could have a delve. Maybe they could pick one out that we could watch. Yeah. I can't, can't say we'd uh,
0: say yes to watch it. But... <laughs> yeah, we're open to suggestions, possibly, yeah a suggestion and a bribe may well get it a bit further along the line maybe yeah yeah we could do that um yeah i don't think with this i mean obviously first time watch i always say you know is it worth a rewatch? i think we've answered that between us there's no way i would watch this again mate
1: no i wouldn't watch this again um unless i started watching it forgetting i'd watched it
0: (laughs) yeah if you've got some sort of trauma to the head and your memory had been wiped maybe so but apart from that no just read the synopsis and, and you've already listened to this episode now so you've got all the best bits there's no need to watch it at all exactly. uh, right then let's, uh, let's move on to of course it's your turn now and it's the rewatch pick Proud history of adventure. I
1: still live in the desert, Leo. Watch if it does a man.
0: No heroes ever have been more courageous. What is that? How the hell should I know?
1: Matt, shoot it!
0: More faithful. You stupid air Jane. More optimistic. We keep sticking our necks out and sooner or later somebody's gonna chop our heads off than Max Donegan and Leo Porter. They need a new plan. No, their friendship faces its greatest challenge. You're getting as bad as that fruitcake girl. Fruitcake? Wow. I'm a fruitcake? A woman of definite charms. You
1: see, I recently acquired a map, and I'm convinced it leads to a great amount of gold
0: and dangerous curiosity.
1: I thought priests were supposed to be teetotalers. I thought nuns were supposed to be virgins. But Leo and Max have foiled countless encounters with death.
0: I blame you
1: for this. We're not dead yet.
0: And they'd gladly run any risk. If there's ever time for a plan, it's now, Max. For the thrill of danger. (laughs) The promise of excitement. (laughs) And a mountain of treasure. There's better be some gold up here. Get your butt. I'm coming, I'm coming. Chuck Norris and Lou Gossett in Firewalker. Sipping champagne in fine restaurants, gambling in
1: casinos. Man, I can't wait. I don't remember inviting you. My pick for a rewatch was a bit of Chuck Norris. A bit of oh, Chuck Norris. Nice. Uh, and a cannon as well. Oh, Even better still. Chuck teamed me up with Lou Gossett Jr. with oh. Melody Anderson Sonny Landham's
0: in it, John rhys Davis is in it. Oh, surely again, this can't be one like with top line, all of this.
1: And yeah, it can, this it can't is
0: be a stinker, surely. Directed by
1: J. Lee Thompson, it is Firewalker. Um, now, uh, the synopsis of this is Norris and Gossett play Max Donegan and Leo Porter, two soldiers of fortune whose adventures rarely result in any notable game. They're befriended by an inscrutable woman of mystery, Patricia Melody Anson. Uh, her map leads them on a quest for treasure in Central America. And the name of the movie comes from A Powerful Guardian of the Treasure. Mm. Now, obviously Chuck Norris is best at being the strong, silent type with only a little bit of dialogue, hard man, I think we could all agree. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: We'll Most not, of his yeah. big films, you know, whether it's a Delta Force or Missing in Action or or any would are those sort of roles. So this is um, his first comedy role while still doing a bit of an action... Obviously, he still does his own, you know, his action stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the right sort of fit for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, because at this point already, everybody's so used to him as the strong but silent action type, aren't
1: they? Yeah, this is like... I found, like, I thought, again, as an overview, I thought this film was decent... But it felt like there wasn't really much of a, a connection between him and Gossett Jr. And, it, like, his – it was a bit awkward, Chuck's attempts at comedy, which isn't something that ever goes away, like like Top Dog in the mid-90s. That, <laughs> you know, it's just a bit awkward, like, not cringy, but a bit like, oh, this, he's not great at this. This isn't his strong suit comedy. Um, and uh, – and on our Wikipedia, it says he's like he has a chance to poke fun at his action persona. I don't think he does that either. Like he does reaction stuff pretty straight. And there are some, you know, it isn't all comedy all the way through? It's just you know your buddy your buddy comedy sort of stuff with some action. Um, like Top Line, it's got that. Like you look at the poster, and there's a definite Indiana Jones sort of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. And probably more like Indiana Jones than Top Line was, obviously. Uh, yeah. Well. I was about to say, there's aliens. We all remember Christmas skull. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, uh, but, you know, like Treasure in Central America, that's more along the sort of straight Indiana Jones lines. But, yeah, this, like, it is one of, the, I think it's one of the weaker Chuck films. Yeah. Um, which, like, I still enjoyed watching it. But, like, there's just, it's a bit like, oh, just do some, Maybe it's because he hasn't got the beard. Yeah, just it's just
0: uh, got the tash.
1: Yeah, he's just got the tash. Like Luke Gossett Jr. is fine because this is you know the sort of thing he's good at. He's he's you he can do a range of. He's got more of a range than Chuck Norris has. Yeah, think, to yeah. Say. Um, so yeah, basically, as I mentioned, like the plot, they're in they. We're thrown into it. They've they've got into some trouble. They get out of another scrape, which they seem to be doing all the time. And they're in a bar, and uh, Melody Anderson shows up. Has this map and she wants, she hires them to take uh, her to the treasure. And they're all like, Treasure? You know. <laughs> and that's, you know, they just get into various hijinks. There's Native Americans, um, Sonny Landom's the main baddie in it. So we get we do get Chuck Norris and Sonny Landom scrap. Yeah. We get the famous bar scene, of course, where Chuck just takes everyone out.
0: Yeah, and where anything made of wood. Um, just disintegrates when it, anybody touches it, <laughs> be it a chair or a bar or a table or a window frame or anything. Well, at all. that's
1: just what, like that would happen in any pub with Chuck Knox <laughs> walked in. The potential to happen.
0: Like. Oh yeah, the quality of the building, it, you know, especially the woodwork in that place, awful.
1: But you know, these are you know, this is still a decent movie. It's not like these things aren't these scenes aren't enjoyable. But it's just like the whole Chuck comedy thing yeah i think he doesn't do it too much like and, 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 and i mentioned top dog i think there might be one or two others of more of a family comedy thing to it yeah. um sidekicks actually that was all right sidekicks um but yeah this was what did you think of it
0: um i don't know why that wikipedia post said like poking fun at his action persona, because I didn't get that either. You know, I thought he just... There's action scenes in this, and I thought they were played fairly straight, like an action scene. But it is a weird one that it sort of straddles between being an action-adventure film or being a buddy comedy film, and the tone of it does change as it goes through. Uh, It is a canon film, which for us is always a plus on the negative side of Canon films as well, for the most part, they didn't always have a big budget to work with. They didn't have a long period of time to film in. I mean, and this is obvious right from the beginning, because you've got Chuck Norris and um, Louis Gossett, who were tied up in the sand and they've got all, you know, their arms and their legs are spread eagled, and they're tied to stakes that are plunged into the sand and the yeah. escape from it. And I'm not going to say how I won't ruin uh, how they escape from it. But as um, Chuck Norris is untying Louis, um, he unties one arm, he ties unties the other arm, and then he starts untying his first leg. And as he's doing that, he just, Louis Gossett just pulls his other leg out of the way because they weren't really tied up. They were just wrapped loosely. And it is so clear. And it would be one of those that normally go, oh, okay, let's do another take. Um, They didn't probably have the time nor the money. To refill, it. said, so "Oh fuck it, we'll just go with it." And following that, they end up in in a bar. And Chuck Norris has got the most bizarre hat on that looks like two sizes too small for him. <laughs> the sides are curled up, and it's sort of perched precariously on his head. I thought that's a bit of a weird hat he's wearing. <laughs> You never see it again, mate, in the entire movie. <laughs> some of his fashion choices, like right the final scene
1: where they're like, you know, having breakfast or whatever it was. Like some of his fashion choices.
0: Yeah, Good. I mean, he's, he's even dressed up as a priest at one stage, isn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that is another sort of fun kind of scene. I mean, that is the most when you've got Chuck Norris dressed up as a priest, and he's chatting up in a very creepy way, I would say. Melody Anderson who's who's dressed up as a nun <laughs> going This is a bit strange. It's a bit strange. Um I mean I think that is an attempt at comedy there that if it was an attempt at comedy fell totally flat with me. I didn't find it funny. I just I did find it a bit ooh, that's a bit creepy. Chuck, stop. Don't talk to her, don't ask her out like that. You're just being creepy. Um yeah yeah it it didn't really hit the mark in the action stakes or in the comedy stakes i think they should have yeah, an
1: action comedy
0: yeah they should have gone for it more with either of those two things and they just sort of trod down the middle and didn't and didn't hit anything that i wanted it to hit um some of the comedy is you can well you can't call any of the comedy subtle in it but they've got they got one bit where they're in a cave and this like this running joke that Chuck Norris is a shit shot. He's not good yeah. with a gun. And then there's this one point where, they, you know, oh, they've got all these bad guys coming at them and they're in this cave system and they've got one bullet left. And Chuck's got the gun and, you know, he's going, no, give the gun to me. And Chuck's going, no, no, I'm going to fire. And he fires. And it must ricochet, <laughs> like, of about a dozen cave walls before hitting the bad guy, which is, you know, like proper weird slapstick humour, which is like, Okay, that was a bit... So they're really going for the comedy in that one, but it fell totally flat. Um, health and safety in canon films once again has to be brought up because there's a guy at the end, there's a fire gag where one of the guys, one of the stunt men, obviously on the set, well, I fucking hope it was a stunt man because this guy gets on fire and he looks a little bit too much on fire for my liking. Well. <laughs> and it cuts away and it cuts away in the way that you think, "hmm, I bet something went wrong there. <laughs> they suddenly had to stop filming okay, in a film, yeah, yeah, I'm sure maybe there's some outtakes of like singed flesh or something because uh that didn't go, that didn't go as planned, but oh, here we go, just for everybody. there's the fish and chip fan outside, yeah, the Friday night fish and chip fan in North Wales, uh, yeah. It was I mean, we both watched it as well, we should say, on the 101 films Blu-ray, didn't we? Yes, yes, we both have that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it looks good, you know, for a film from that age as well. It's always nice to have, you know, our 80s stuff on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, But as far as the film itself, I think this the school report would be could do better, is what I yeah. would
1: Yeah, so much potential. But like a lot of it, like, comes down... Like, they don't work well as a duo... Mm. Really, but like, and I don't want to lay all the blame at Chuck Norris's door because he's Chuck Norris. Yeah, but like his comedy, he's not like he's not good at the comedy. Really. No, no, and it's a bit awkward, and you know he's not the strongest actor, but that's where he's best suited for, you know, his tough man.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's all
1: pop stuff.
0: Yeah, but it's weird, isn't it? Especially during the eighties. 80- well, even now, you know, all the action stars because we know we're like Stallone and Arnie they all went okay I'm more than an action star I'm going to do some comedy and yeah, uh, and that was that, that. very often the knot didn't work out quite as it should have done <laughs> but uh, nah it's, it's 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 not it's by no means bad I mean fuck me it's a hell of, it's a hell of a lot better than Top Line that's for sure
1: yeah and like and like you say you know these with no there's no real like stinkers with the you know, the, well, some were still sorry, but um, Yeah, yeah, there is with you him, know, when, yeah. like, you know yeah, it's not a real mass like stinker, but you know, they're not suited to comedy really. But mm-hmm. like it could yeah, it could have been worse. It wasn't as bad as Top Line and you know, as it as a rewatch, would I watch it again? Mm-hmm. I like, probably. <laughs> It's got Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr. in.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's not one like, oh, I want to watch a Chuck Norris film. If it's not. I wouldn't go to that. No,
0: no. This is only more, the second
1: time I've watched it, because I had it on like a Danish DVD of it.
0: Oh, my and, God.
1: Um, and then I think I had the same sort of feeling about it then. So that's not changed in the few years since I first watched it. Yeah. But a few more years, I'll probably watch it again.
0: Yeah. I think the last time I watched it was VHS, mate. It was that long ago. A long time ago. And, um... Yeah, maybe at some point I might re watch it again. Um Yeah, it's one of those middling Yeah, possibly. I wouldn't discount it. There's other Chuck Norris films I'd reach for beforehand, but you know, I wouldn't discount it at some point. However many years from now, watching it again, you never know. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Well, all in all, mate, we didn't we didn't do too well with the two films this one, did we? No. We've done no. better. We have done better. Oh. Uh, shall we move on then, and let's see if we can do better in uh, in April for the two films that we picked. And we'll start with you, mate, because it's your turn for the first time watch.
1: Yeah, it's my turn. Well, I was just going to pick for dirt. I was just like, well, we're both going to watch it. I've yeah. clearly never seen it, but it's this list on Amazon Pro for Amazon Prime again. That's
0: <laughs> draws yeah, you a in. film
1: where I really had to check with you because I was like, I know we've done several offshoots of Samuel I Cop. We have, yeah films where other people have been in films from the same director but there was always one that we couldn't get our hands on mm-hmm. and it's on amazon prime oh. <laughs> and um it's directed by amir Chavan um before samuel Icock yeah
0: yeah
1: a couple of years before it's got james james mitchum in, um, in it cameron mitchell is in it nice um aldo ray is in it you know there's a few of those sort of faces But it is hollywood
0: cop oh oh is oh is was this like the the this start what was going to be samurai cop did they was this going to be a thing that amir was going to do is going to be a hollywood cop and a samurai cop and i don't know who knows what nazi cop who knows what's going to go on I I don't know anything about it, mate. I am so stoked to watch this.
1: Yeah, we've we've uh, this is like you know we've done Killing American style, we've yeah. done Samuel Cop, we've done we, you know all the offshoots we can sort of find. But here here it is Hollywood Cop.
0: Oh please don't let us down, Amir. Please don't let us down. Let this be the next bit of gold that we can find <laughs> on this first time watch. Uh, so already mate, that list. It it you know it's already paying dividends, isn't it? Let's hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, my rewatch pick, pick, uh, fueled by the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, I met Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, I'm going to pick, and uh, it is 80s related, obviously. I mean, you don't know, have to say trauma, and it's 80s related. To it. Citizen Toxie, The Toxic Avenger 4, made in 2000, which I haven't seen, I don't know, for quite a few years. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so. I can remember tiny little bits out of it. The main thing I remember is I've always said it's my favourite Toxic Avenger film.
1: That's what I remember as well. Yeah,
0: so I thought, well, now would be a good time to re watch it and see if that memory does stand up and if it is still my favourite Toxic Avenger film. Because, let's get it right, the first Toxic Avenger, that always gets all the plaudits, doesn't it? That's the one that everybody yeah. talks about and it's not often you hear people talk about number 4 so i thought yeah let's bring it to light and bring it to me you know maybe more people's attention and see if it's as good as uh, as i hope it is from my memory anyway so uh, yeah that. and we've both got we've both got the uncut dvd have we and i've got the uncut dvd or if not yeah, it's on right. yeah. if anybody wants to watch along as well they only have to go and you mentioned it in the last episode i think where everybody can go and watch the trauma films online anyway they're all available yes. aren't they yep yep just watch it online mm-hmm. right then mate um we need to bugger off and watch the dirt don't we yeah We do. It's time for the dirt. Oh, my God. Uh, Right, well, I did give a few plugs at the beginning of this episode. So, obviously, go to 60minuteswith.co.uk. That's the website. There are links there to our Twitter and Instagram uh, at 60minuteswith. There's all stuff going on there. So, go and have a look at them, the stuff that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go and watch the dirt. I... I did do my part of the bargain from the end of uh, last month's show and got an introduction ready for Tom for the beginning of this. Let's see if he has an ending ready to end the show. So from me, goodbye. What
1: we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. Until next time, goodbye.
0: Um as we said at the very, very beginning of the show, we have now watched the dirt. It was last night and I mean straight off the bat mate, I loved it. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it
1: was I thought it was really good. Um obviously all these years of hearing about it and the development you know, is it happening, is it not? And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact it was really good was like, Oh, that's Mildly yeah. surprising after all of this. After
0: all of this. And you said in the show, didn't you? You know, you were pleased as beside that it was an 18. And yeah, it uh, it deserved its 18 rating for the, the yeah, stuff that ab- they put in.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it wanted an 18 or a TVMA or whatever yeah. rating it got. Um, yeah, it's like, but still, it toned it down from a book, didn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did. I mean, spoilers ahoy, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah we'll,
1: we'll talk about. Stuff that happens in a film. Yeah,
0: and stuff stuff that doesn't happen because there are some omissions. Obviously in a film, you can't you can just fit everything into the book. I know I watched it with Tina and she said she'd have liked to have seen it as like a series. But I was Yeah,
1: that's the only way. Like I spoke to um Andrew about it and uh said that um it was um sorry, someone just came to our door. Sorry, just cut that down. <laughs> just
0: something
1: to a letterbox. Um yeah, I was talking to Andrew about it and it's just like, you know, it's a two-hour movie and for us, having you know, assuming we've read the book and all of that hmm. and, you know, we know everything, in, you know, in the book, you know, like they have missed stuff out. But yeah. But like for, for someone who doesn't know anything about it, you know, I'm sure it worked fine.
0: Oh, yeah, you're not going to notice. And I think... even
1: Because it, it... it did feel like for somebody who's read the book and knows all about Motley Crue and stuff, they did feel like they just rattled through it. But if you don't you won't feel
0: that way (laughs) exactly yeah and for me and i think for a lot of people they did hit all the major things you know when you think back to reading the book the majority of the major things that you think you know the whole aussie with the ants being the obvious one and uh, you know licking the piss and you think are they really gonna put that in and yes they do um you know, and they touch on all the, the outrageous stuff and, you know, they go through all the tragic stuff, you know, with the death of Razzle and Vince's daughter and obviously, you know, Nicky's heroin addiction and not quite as much with Mick Mars, you know, and his health issues. They didn't touch, you know, too much on that. But it was mentioned, you know, and you knew what was happening. Um, so I was happy with everything that they put in and I, I did actually prefer it being a film rather than a series, and just everything was in there. Uh, And again, yeah, and they do allude to this because there's some big mistakes in there. You know, if you go in, if you're going, well, that's not historically accurate, and this, that, and the other. I mean, because Doc McGee didn't manage Kiss till 95, and then he's in this, isn't he going, oh, I'll manage Kiss. Well,
1: you know, like, you look at I saw something on Twitter say, or maybe Letterboxd say, like, the first minute of this film is more accurate than the entire of beh- entirety of the movie yeah. and it is it's just like you know dramatic license
0: yeah and they do what i loved about it as well they do you know they break the fourth wall don't they and they turn to camera and go well this didn't really happen yeah that's rem- you know that's so they reminiscent- do address it
1: yeah that's reminiscent of a book as well you know like the way the book's written yeah with all their with all four of their viewpoints and stuff, so um, yeah. yeah, I liked how they did that. Yeah,
0: because they are contradicting each other in the book, aren't they? You know, their own viewpoints of different things and what happened, and then yeah. somebody else says it doesn't. Uh, we are, of course, getting. I mean, I looked online this morning, and the majority view is just people loving it, which is great. You know, saying that they absolutely love it. Uh, of course, there is the people saying about uh, really pissed off about how women are represented in it and it's yeah. like but this was this is what happened it was the 80s it was a yeah. you can't rewrite history as much as a lot of people would like to yeah. to fit like, in with today's sensibilities it was a different time this is what happened and I know yeah, the big it's, it's, thing people are teeing off about um the woman at the rainbow who's underneath the table all the time giving blowjobs and it's like oh, well that's terrible that's terrible that's terrible that that's happened that, you know you, know, you like, can't you know, change like, that whether
1: it's a good thing or a bad thing it is a historical fact
0: yeah
1: it happened i don't want to like you know historical facts probably a bit too wordy for for it but <laughs> it's, it's a thing that happened it did and, happen
0: yeah
1: and like i don't i like 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 the book they didn't paint them as sympathetic or no, unsympathetic. no. um they just like said this is what happened
0: yeah and the and, thing yeah yeah. and they do do that because it well i think what people really need to keep in mind especially people that didn't you know didn't live through it or even even not that familiar with like the 80s and that is you've got you've got a group of you know 20 something guys in the 80s which was a completely different time they're suddenly like given more money than they could ever dream of they've got women throwing themselves at them they've got men wanting to be them and they got on top of that, they have got like addictive personalities, and they just went off the fucking rails, you know. And thought we can do whatever we want. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna tell us no. We've got the money to do it, and so they did whatever stupid fucking thought dropped into their head. They did it, didn't they? They just went yeah. out and bloody did it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can't now say, oh, well, that's.
1: It's stuff. That's just a sort of internet yeah. culture, though. Like the. Um- the other week, there was um, uh, someone because people aren't happy unless they're complaining about something online. Mm-hmm. And, and people, someone brought up this old John Wayne interview in play by oh, 1971, yeah. and he made some racist comments. And like, we know he's he was an old racist who, what old man in 1971 in America wasn't? It's <laughs> yeah. just like, stop trying this, and he died 40 years ago, it's like, stop trying to. <laughs> dig stuff up just so you can just generate some social like Twitter likes and stuff. Like yes, we know John Wayne was a racist. Yes, we know he wasn't very pleasant. It was he died forty years ago. What are you doing? Like there's (laughs) plenty of stuff like actual legitimately bad shit stuff going on in the world, you know, US politics, UK politics that you can get up in arms about but but stuff like this, like oh oh Motley Crue Uh, They had a girl under the table in 1983. Fucking yes, they did. They did. No, like if it was today, you know, I'm sure she was, you know, paid handsomely for her services. (laughs) Like, you know, know, it's a different time, and people don't seem to get that now because they just can't stop going on Twitter and social media and crying about stuff.
0: Yeah, and they did,
1: and with no clue about it
0: yeah that's the thing as well
1: as well as that like not only is it a different time but it's not you know are are you were you in the band are you part of the music industry you you're not you don't Mm -hmm. know anything about it other than what's being shown to you on a film so yeah Mm -hmm. i could go on (laughs) angrily ranting about this i'm not yeah the film um one thing about it yeah the guy, state of the guy who played Razzle's accent. What was that supposed to be?
0: Yeah, that was a bit all over the Comedy? place, wasn't it? <laughs> really? <laughs> I liked, I liked the performances of everybody, like in the band, uh, and I know another thing is people going. Whatever character he played in Game of Thrones the the guy that played mcmars yeah. well i d- I don't watch Game of Thrones, so that had no effect on me yeah whatsoever. I thought they were all really good. I thought they all played the parts really well, and yeah, they yeah. they sold the characters to me completely, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and they did I know from the book as well, you know we talked about them, you know they they were our souls, and yeah. But they did cut out some of the stuff where they were really bad fucking assholes. That was some of the
1: stuff, like I think I mentioned to the um, the homeless girl story, was like yeah. that's unfilmable. Like, you, you, there's a line between okay, we're arseholes, draw your own conclusions. We're not going to be sympathetic, but oh, I'm sympathetic. But like, there's no wriggle room for some of the stuff they did. No, that was it. yeah, and that like the homeless girl story is the one that always jumps to my head because that was yeah,
0: yeah.
1: fucking appalling.
0: Oh, it and was. There's
1: no, there's no. Oh, it was. You know, it was the eighties. So it's like that. it is just a horrendous thing oh, to do. Oh yeah,
0: they were they were just complete and utter, the, the fucking. But
1: they had to like that. Some of the stuff they did, that film wouldn't have got an eighteen. Because... Oh no,
0: it wouldn't do, would it? There's no way. Some of the stuff that they did. Oh my god. Um, and the thing, I liked as well the way that it balanced, that you know, that oh that's a bit creepy kind of stuff but you know that's that's what they did to the the, the funny ridiculous stuff to the heartbreaking stuff there was yeah, a good sort like, of balance to it i thought yeah
1: and the tone obviously changed you know there was funny stuff and then it got darker and that's always a worry with not just this and with like any film which has to balance yeah that, that it pulls it off but i think it did it really well like you sort of uh, you i think well I, I like you know having read the book and knowing about you know read stuff about motley obviously don't know them or work in the music industry again like anything like that but I never really felt sympathetic towards them but I never felt unsympathetic you know hmm. I didn't want them to I wasn't like oh come on I hope they all get together and you know after and Vince Neil leaves yeah I like you know you know willing him even though I knew what would, would, would yeah, what would happen yeah uh, I wasn't like willing him to for the triumphant return and I wasn't like oh god fuck these guys so I guess I was just in the middle
0: so yeah yeah and it's like testament isn't it to to how it was filmed that they walked that line really nicely I thought and there was you know there was something there for everybody and it's like you said at the beginning mate this has been like anticipated by so many people for so long (laughs) that it was like it could so easily have just fell on its arse it really could and there was a lot of expectations. So, you know, it was really, it sounded great as well, you know, and a couple of the songs, there's a couple of like live song performances and we got like hooked up to the amp and everything and fuck me, it sounded really good, <laughs> really, really good. Uh, in a way that, is there gonna be, you know, is there gonna be this upcry this is for, Motley Crew gonna do another tour? Even though they signed paperwork saying they were never gonna tour again. Because it's the the Dirt soundtrack's currently number one in the iTunes charts, isn't it? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. So is there going to be this resurgence now of of Motley Crue, people that maybe have never even heard of them before, going, oh, this is all right? Because, again, I mean, this highlights as well, I think. At the end of everything, they made some fucking great music as well. You know, you can't deny that. I loved Motley Crue. You know, I saw them a good few times during the 80s on tour and that. And despite them being, like, you know, the bad boys of rock and everything they got up to, they put out some great music too. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So do you think it's... I mean, how does it work with Netflix? Is this ever going to get, like, a Blu-ray release? Or is it stuck to streaming? Like, some stuff does, but
1: I think it will just stay on Netflix.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, like, there's a very occasional thing that does, like, their TV... Like their Marvel shows, I know they cancelled them all now, but um, they yeah. ended up DVD and Blu-ray. But the films, I can't think of a example that's come out on
0: Blu-ray. Because there's little yeah. snippets at the end of this, isn't there? You know, with behind-the-scenes stuff, and I thought, oh, that would make some great, you know, special features on the Blu-ray, behind-the-scenes stuff, and a commentary by the band would be great as well.
1: Oh yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I really would like to see some extras for this,
0: but um, yeah maybe netflix will, will release that as a special sometime i mean surely that would get loads of views as well
1: yeah yeah i'd watch that like yeah but then yeah it's weird because they're doing like that scorsese movie at the end of it like it comes out in the autumn and it's just like oh, this, this this would be really odd if it never saw like a dvd or home or blu-ray release yeah. but i guess the point of netflix is not dvd and blu-ray
0: yeah they've got you then haven't they bastards oh but at the end of the day though mate um i think it's safe to say that we both really enjoyed it thankfully
1: yeah after all this time it was actually very enjoyable
0: and Mm -hmm. uh
1: i guess you know like that jeff tremaine the guy directed it he's no he's just stuck stuck to it and you know he was always the director you know back when it was christopher walken is going to be ozzy and all of this it was always jeff tremaine was going to be the director yeah so it's obviously a passion project, and he's just managed to hold on. Because normally with these developmental hell things, you go through so many writers and directors, but the fact that he managed to stay on was a,
0: a testament. It is, definitely. Well, I'd love I'd love to hear. Anybody that's listening to us, I'd love to hear. Yes. Uh, yeah, their views would be really good, and then we can chat about it if we do get any feedback on the next show as well. What yeah, other that's people good thing. Thought. It's just,
1: it's a This is where Netflix is better for, than DVD and Blu-ray. It's just everyone in the world, you know, with a subscription or can, can just
0: watch it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to, so, you know, well. order it anywhere as long as you've got Netflix. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so if you do watch it, please email, tweet us, uh, whatever. Get in touch with us and we'll comment on whatever you've got to say about it, whether you loved it or hated it. Just get in touch yeah, with us. Yeah, yeah, so.
1: I'd like to hear Like, I haven't seen too much negative stuff. I'm, mm. like, I'm not really going to pay much mind to the, the people, you know, crying about how women are represented because... And this is coming from someone who, you know, obviously, are, you know, working with Eve and stuff, like,
0: yeah, that yeah, important
1: yeah. Thing. But again, it's a historical thing. Yeah. So,
0: yeah.
1: It's not like it was set yesterday. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. But,
1: um, but yeah, no, I would like to hear, like, some of the uh, more negative things about it, what people thought.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. But uh, yeah. Right then. Um, well, I'll carry on with present me and finish the editing and get this out for future me and present people that are listening to it future people oh time travel mate just fucking time travel
1: yeah Yeah, fuck (laughs) yeah fuck that
0: (laughs) all right then let's go there we go all done
1: great
0: brilliant